Hey there, thank you for tuning into While We Were Working. We're so thrilled that you are joining us today and have decided to spend time leveling up your HR leadership wherever you are in the world. I think we recently charted in the Netherlands. That's crazy to me. But getting back on topic, I want to talk to you about While We Were Working, which is our show. Summer Ketron is our consulting practice manager. She is our co-host. And I'm Joey Price. I am host here. Uh, but we're going to talk about two topics that are critically important. One, there's a recent research report that says that long hours might lead to something other than productivity. And you don't want to miss what that might be. Uh, and then the second thing is, have you ever prematurely promoted someone and then you were stuck figuring out what do we do next? Well, on this show, we're going to cover those two topics, long work hours and the pitfalls of premature promotion on this episode of While We Were Working. So Summer, how's it going? Could you please set us up for While We Were Working? Joey, and thanks everybody for joining our show this week. I love these two topics that we have. And if this is your first time joining us, the While We Were Working segment is where Joey and I, uh, we read a whole bunch of articles, we scour blogs, we scour the web, and we look for uh, something in the news that catches our eye that would be a great value add for us to chat about on the show. And, you know, this one from our friends over at Sherm, you know, it's not a new topic, but I, I do think it's one that it's important we keep our eyes uh, and our focus on to ensure that you know we're not one of those companies and we're providing support to uh, other companies who may find themselves in this situation so that you know they don't have burnt out workers and you know joy this is a topic i think we've covered at least once in prior episodes and well quite frankly I don't think it's going away anytime soon. No, I think that this is just a perpetual thing that we are going to be dealing with. You know, long work hours, productivity, work-life balance. I think until we figure this out, it's going to not be a problem we solve, but maybe rather a tension that we manage and we have to figure out when we're pushing too fast, the need to pull back, and when we need to push harder because we're uh, going too slow. But you know, what does what does the article say? What what should we learn from from this? Well, I'm going to try to hit the highlights because there's definitely a lot to cover. But I think to set the stage, we can start by saying that in the survey, uh, it was determined that approximately 40% of those surveyed, and there was over 10,000 workers surveyed between August and September of last year, 40% of those employees regularly worked after hours and half of them felt pressured to do so. And it was primarily due to time constraints and competing priorities. And Joy, that just makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the pressure of it. Uh, now I get it. Um, you know, we're we are all a part of a mission. We sign up for a mission to to make something happen, right? We want to make widgets. We want to 
help people. We want to solve legal challenges. We want whatever it is that we sign up to do at work. Um, but, but the pressure piece of it seems like there's a bit of uh, intentional design to um, the way our workplaces are, are constructed. And I'm, I'm, I am guilty of this as well. You know, Summer, we were talking about the mentorship thing that you and I were discussing. And do you want to know where I put it on my calendar? Because <laughs> I did put it on my calendar. It doesn't uh, go on my calendar. It doesn't exist. But I literally put it on at uh, at 10 p.m. Because I knew, all right, I'm going to put the dog down to, to sleep. And then uh, I can, I'll have some free time to think before he has to wake up and and uh, do his nap. But, um, yeah, I just I think that's just where we are. Where it's like you got to find the rhythm that works for your life. But at the same time. I, I would hope that that rhythm allows you, you know, 40 hours uh, as opposed to feeling like 70, 80 a week has to be to be sustainable. Yeah, and I, I do think that's where there's perhaps some differences here. I mean, I think working after hours is one thing, like if that's just the work schedule that you prefer, right? I think that's one thing. But if you're a team member who's working the traditional, you know, kind of work hours, you know, eight to five, nine to five, but then you're continuing to work all the way into the night and you feel pressure to do so because you have that much work to do. I think we can all agree that that is exactly how burnout occurs. And, yeah. you know, digging into some of the details of this survey, uh, they were able to measure productivity scores. And I was really fascinated by the fact that employees who actually logged off at the end of their workday showed 20% higher productivity scores. And that was pretty like that, that, that was a pretty big number for me to like really kind of stop and think about like the importance of having an end of your workday versus, you know, sometimes it all just kind of blurs together. So you work at the pace that, you know, may extend your day a little later in the night. But like, you know, there's something to be said about like, I need to really, really like focus and work at a fast pace to be done at a certain time. And then I'm done. I mean, yeah. the, the proof is in the numbers. They are indeed more productive. And, you know, someone's probably looking at that and uh, they're probably in disbelief because, we know those bad bosses who think that, you know, if if your team's not working late hours, if your team's not in the in the building, right, they're not working, they're not productive. Uh, but I've, I've read a really good book probably it had to have been about six years ago. I don't think that I, I read it when it when it first came out, but uh, you've probably heard of it. It's called Essentialism by uh, George McCowan. It's called Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And as much as it's about kind of like decluttering your life and decluttering things, it's, it, it commands you to think about, well, what are the most essential things that need to get done in a day? Because we often, whether it's work or not, you know, we fill our lives up with things that, you know, ultimately, like, they don't matter, right? Like, if I'm on my phone playing a video game, right, is that ultimately going to lead to maximum happiness? Is it ultimately going to like, you know, if I get a high score, is it going to change the world? No, it's, it's not, you know, essential. And 
uh, it's just one school of thought. But the idea of focusing on what what truly is essential, I think those are the people who uh, master this art of time management, of prioritization, and they're able to be productive because they can say, okay, I have a finite amount of time to do a finite amount of things. How should I shape my day? And when do I know it's time to call it quits? And so, you know, I, I would I would agree with the numbers. I've I've seen it, you know, when I work long hours, there's a a law of uh law of diminished returns where the longer you work, the less productive you are. And so Yeah. I, I can I can see that for sure. Absolutely. I I think there's a, a couple other key findings in this survey that you know, are, are pretty eye-opening as well. Uh, I think, you know, especially for somebody who lives and works in California, and I've worked with a lot of hourly team members. You know, there's a lot of uh, requirements in regards to meal and rest breaks. And in this article, it read that 50% of those that responded didn't take work breaks. And that when uh, the numbers were crunched on the survey, they determined that those not taking breaks were actually over one and a half times more likely to experience burnout. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise, but I think, again, the shocking thing for me is, you know, here we have, you know, 40% of people who are already saying they're regularly working after regular hours you know, half of the respondents aren't taking breaks. I'm like, sounds like a recipe for disaster. And indeed it is. Yeah. And, you know, this is, uh, this is, this is the top of the year. This is where people, you know, think about, you know, is, is my life adding up to what I wanted to add up to? Am I making the right calls about things? And so I would imagine that taking a look at the survey having your own self-reflection you're probably watching or listening to this and you're like well, maybe there's something I should be doing differently or maybe things that I want to commit to differently because we know we know how this movie ends <laughs> we know how this movie ends if um if uh there's a lot of a lot of effort um particularly if it's unappreciated particularly if it's uh you know things that you could scale back and um, not do so that you can stay in that realm of essentialism. So when I think about being a people leader and, you know, the advice that I would share with other people leaders is to make sure that you're paying close attention to the hours that your team, you see your team on Slack. Uh, the hours that you see emails coming in. And I'm not saying like be a clock watcher. That's not the tier, but it is to note, like if you have a team member or team members who seem like they are always working, don't ignore it. It's an important conversation to have because, you know, maybe there are things that can be done to help support them or to give them permission to create those boundaries and if you're able to kind of run some interference on this, then not only are you really taking care of your team members and their well-being, but 
also by default, you're helping the company by ensuring that you have, you know, the healthiest, most productive workers as well. And in that case, Joey, everybody wins. I agree. I agree. That's that old uh, concept of, of management by walking around, but it's management by by checking uh, act- active statuses on, on social account. And yeah, yeah, definitely will will go a long way. It will because I find, you know, oftentimes employees don't, they don't always feel comfortable saying, hey, boss, like, you know, I'm, I can't ever get caught up or, hey, boss, like, I'm still doing the work of two people. Remember, like, you know, those conversations that sometimes, you know, you just get busy and they, you know, perhaps like turn into a situation that was never intended um, but certainly needs to be addressed so really great topic I'm glad that we were able to chat about it a little bit on our show and hopefully you're listening um, you're thinking about your team if this sounds like it might be familiar in your organization that this prompts further discussions and some action uh, to protect the well-being of your team yeah, let me just say this real quick too, because as a as a uh, I guess as a CEO and then as an HR person, you know I hear all sides of the coin of like, um, you know, go, being being softer is too pro employee and it takes away from productivity. But you know, in our notes here, we talk about uh, or the the survey talks about you know Elon Musk and his approach to long hours. You gotta grind, you gotta drive. I don't know if you saw, but um, they got ri- they as in Tesla got rid of uh, merit increases and there's just a lot of unbundling of of uh, the employee experience that that he's doing, uh, that Elon is doing at Tesla and likely other organizations he leads or influences. And in 2024, can we just call a spade a spade? Like, you can be a celebrity boss and still be a terrible boss. You can be have amassed uh, wealth and still be a terrible boss. And uh, I just believe being guided by principles, being guided by empathy, being guided by what is the consensus that people want uh, is most important. Uh, so, you know, you won't, you won't find me saying, well, it's good enough for Elon. It's good enough for me. Uh, probably the opposite. <laughs> if we're doing something that, uh, that he's advising, we, we might, we might want to cooperate our, our, our sources, um, uh, they could care, but, but I just wanted to say that. And I know we're, I know we're transitioning to uh consultant's corner, but we got to call out bad leadership in, in 2024. Yeah, that's, you know, gosh, so much to talk about, but it, it is very true that, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of ways to lead people and just because somebody is successful doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good people leader and to, you know, really think through the impact that decisions have on your team. And speaking of teams, we have very exciting consultants corner topic and for those of you that are just joining us for the first time this is where joey and i 
We take questions from our communities. We chat with our consultants uh, a high level about topics that they're encountering in the trenches. And we talk about them on the show so that, you know, you can hear what it's like a day in the life of a consultant and how we tackle some of these very common questions or challenges with hopes that you can take something away for your organization as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this one, you know, we started at the top of the show and I asked, have you ever promoted someone too prematurely? And then you realize maybe they weren't ready yet. Maybe, maybe they weren't who they said they were. Maybe they needed some coaching and development. Uh, maybe they just didn't have as high of a emotional, uh, maybe an EQ, uh, emotional quotients, uh, as, as you thought. Um, but have you ever done that? And if you have, would love to see your comments on social or shoot us an email. But this is just the a conversation around what happens if you promote someone too soon. How do you walk that back? Or do you walk it back? I don't know. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, but but um, I can I can definitely recall in um, professional life. Uh, I can recall in volunteerism, maybe identifying folks who I think, oh, you might be a good leader to volunteer, and then it explodes. Uh, and then, you know, um, we we won't we won't have to go there in, in depth, but you know, even promoting friends to girlfriends, and then it just like, nah, that that it didn't work out. Um, but but but. With, with work, um, what are some of the pitfalls of a premature promotion? And uh, if they're good intentions, how do you, what do you do when you realize that maybe somebody's not ready yet? This is a pretty common problem, Joey. I have to say that, you know, in my 25 plus years of working in HR, I uh, can't even count how many times a manager has said, hey, I'm ready to promote this team member. What do you think? And I'm like, I don't think they're ready yet. And, you know, it's it's tough because I want to be the one that helps somebody grow their career and I want to be the one to say yes. So to be the one to say yeah. no is is really tough, but it comes from a place that is um, actually like well-intentioned because you know, promotion itself has, you know, a very positive uh, message, but promoting somebody too soon actually can create a difficult situation for the company, for the individual being promoted, and the team, kind of the, the peers. And I think the one that we often see the most is that when there's a skill or a knowledge gap, Joey, the individual in that role is likely going to be stressed. They're likely going to be frustrated. Uh, they, it's reasonable to expect that we you know we talked about productivity. Their productivity is going to go down, and this can collectively be a very big weight for a newly promoted individual to try to overcome if they're able to. And I think the couple other items that will add to that, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Joey, is that have you ever been on a team and like 
maybe your peer gets promoted and everybody is like, really? <laughs> and it's not meant in a mean way, right? But like yeah. certainly the team maybe had a, like a different thought as to whether that individual is qualified or other individuals are better qualified. And so, you know, I say that's usually a sign. Like hiring manager comes to me, right? Ask that question. You know, I, I like to promote this person. What do you think? I, I usually ask like, how do you think this would be received by the team? And that's a pretty good indicator because if the team is like, yeah, I think that'd be a really great idea. That's a positive indicator. But if the team is like, hmm, I'm not sure, then that should be a sign as well. That, yeah. Yeah. that person's probably not quite at that level yet. Yeah, I've, I've been in that situation. And, you know, it's not always um, when someone is stepping into a new opportunity, right? Uh it can also be when someone leaves an organization and then by default, a new leader has to be chosen. I can think about, as an example, anyone who's in an interim role or appointed interim leader, interim director, whatever that the case may be there. Um, and that may be, pre it may be premature. It, it may also be temporary, but, but yeah, I've, I've been there and it's like, oh, well, why'd you choose them? And it doesn't bode well for the uh, work culture when there's a clear miss on uh, promoting somebody that the team now has to go from, you know, probably thinking this person was incompetent to now having to support them. Uh, so. I've, I've definitely seen it. I've definitely seen it. Yep. And, and to kind of build on that situation that you were describing, Joey, uh, because I think the situation where there's a vacancy as the result of a departure as opposed to like a promotion due to uh, like another internal promotion, like, you know, something that's a little more strategic and planned, those are often the, the situations where I see companies select the next leader right not necessarily like building their bench to get there thoughtfully and those are more frequently the situations where they may encounter an individual that's being promoted prematurely and one of the things that i've seen in terms of a you know we talk about pitfalls is the impact on company culture because if there is you know kind of this erosion of trust uh, from the other team members about the fairness of advancement opportunities that definitely impacts the organization as a whole. And it's super important that there is that fairness, that those there is uh, the opportunity for advancement that is, you know, equal for everybody who may want to, you know, pursue those. So when they see somebody being promoted who's not quite ready, it does kind of bring a big question mark. And yes. I've even seen team members leave because of it, because they just don't think that the opportunities that they were working towards are going to be available to them simply by continuing to work hard. Yeah, it is, it's a definitely a, a hit to the team. It's a hit to the individuals. Um, I think that I wrestle sometimes with like 
being a smaller organization and it's like, oh, well, how, how bureaucratic do you have to be? Right. Like we can, we're all adults here. We can figure this out. And I, I don't say that like in the context of, of our organization, I just say it like, you know, every small business in America. Right. Um, but there is some merit to having clear, at least if not clear pathways to leadership and at least clear understanding of like how to compete once an opportunity um, is possible. And I know those are some of the things that you, that, you know, some of you are great at helping to write those things for our clients. And uh, if anyone needs a, a, a comp plan, a bonus plan or anything, you know, summer's, summer's who you talk to. But uh, I do think that one way that we can reduce premature promotions and, and kind of open up that equity a bit so people can throw their hands in that is to have clear expectations of like, all right, you know, there's an opportunity coming. If you identify that you are interested, let us know and we'll we'll tell you what it takes and uh, we'll monitor progress over a defined period of time to see, you know, who we think is is the best fit. Uh, so yeah, I think there is a, a healthy measure of like process, protocol, SOPs, even if you uh, have a smaller team. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'll say before, I, I think we should also chat about like, well, what to do if you have promoted and it's just not working out. But I, I wanted to chat just really briefly, Joey, about you mentioned, you know, kind of having criteria and I like the thing that comes to my mind is uh, some career paths that I built for a client where they had uh, quite a few team members. They were they were pretty large and there were a lot of middle management positions and and folks kind of worked their way up. And there was the need to really try to identify kind of this the key skills for each uh, like kind of level of progression. And this was actually published to the team members so that they could kind of do some inner reflection to say, okay, I'm in this role now. Here are the skills that are necessary for somebody who may be more junior to grow into my role. And if I have my eyes on the next position, here are the, some of the you know responsibilities and key skills and indicators so that team members know what they need to work towards, but they can also self-assess and say, oh gosh, I still need to work on these two before I'm really at that level. And I, I thought it was just such a wonderful way to make it really clear and transparent so that everybody was kind of working on the same, like the same metrics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's a major, major thing for equity, major thing for making sure that uh, everybody feels like they're on the same page. Make sure that everybody feels like uh, they know what the, the standards are, the metrics are to get to that ultimate opportunity. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Do you have any other any thoughts or party thoughts you want to share about this topic? I do. I just wanted to leave our listeners with, you know, kind of the parting message that, you know, ideally you don't find yourself in the situation of promoting somebody prematurely, but... If you do, uh, there there is a path forward, and I, I think you know, it's never a place that anybody wants to be, but it's completely okay to work with um, 
you know, somebody who's been promoted on a performance plan to provide them additional coaching, additional support and training um, if the will is there. Uh, I'm not a fan of demotions, but I do think that sometimes it is the appropriate step to put somebody in that space where they can thrive. And that's always the conversation I have is like, I want to put somebody in the lane where they can they can run their best, you know, they can, they can perform in a way that feels good and uh, that they're truly happy with. It's never fun to be in a lane where you constantly feel like you're never quite going to get to the finish line. And in those cases, sometimes that's, that's the necessary appropriate step. Yeah. Yeah. I could have, could have said it better myself. And um, I think that's a good, good spot to, to wrap up the show. Uh, we talked at the start of it um, about long work hours leading to, to burnout, not productivity. And we we're wrapping this show up about premature promotion and what to do next. I, uh, don't have anything else to add to it, so we'll wrap it here. Uh, Summer, as always, thanks for your expertise and uh, the thought you put into making the show great every week. And for our listeners, community, thanks for tuning in and engaging. Uh, I saw that we charted in the U.S. over uh, Christmas break, so that was fun. Um, uh, top top management podcast uh, in, in the states. So, so pretty cool things, and thank you for tuning in, sharing with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>